You're listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church. Um, everybody full from Thanksgiving? Did you have a good week? Hopefully you did. Um, today I'm starting an Advent series. Yes, we're in the season of Advent. Uh, but the title of my message this morning, I think we have a slide for it, is it's called God Arrives Unexpectedly. So if you're taking notes, you can write that down. God Arrives Unexpectedly. So I want to talk to you this morning about God's coming. All right. God's arrival and the conflict and joy and joy that that happens when God shows up in a place. All right. So I chose this title, God Arrives Unexpectedly, because I wanted you to see today that when God breaks into our lives, it's not his arriving that gives us trouble, but it's how he arrives that does, right? So when God breaks into human history, he never comes in a way that we've imagined, So God never shows up in a way that we have previously imagined that he would arrive. So today we find ourselves on the first Sunday on the season of Advent. How many of you grew up in a church that did not celebrate the season of Advent? All right. So this is kind of a new thing for most of us. So um, I've been reading a lot of Advent sermons lately. There's a one woman in particular named Fleming Rutledge, who's a scholar and an Episcopalian priest, and she can preach the paint off the walls. And I've been just getting floored by some of her revelation about the season of Advent. But the season of Advent is really a season of preparing and expecting God to arrive, right? And it's kind of important that Christians celebrate this season because if you're like me, you can sometimes be going along in your life. You know, you're a Christian, you're a believer, and you start or you stop losing an expectancy. Lately, uh, we've been talking about from First Peter, we've been talking about that Christians are people who have a living hope. Another translation says Christians are people who are filled with great expectation. Do you remember me talking about that? So Advent is really a call to us as believers to be refilled with great expectation. All right. So the season of the church known as Advent is a season of renewed expectation. It is a season of renewed anticipation for the coming of the Lord. Now, if you spend any amount of time in the New Testament at all, embedded in early church culture is this expectancy for the arrival of God. All right. Are you with me so far? So there is an important aspect of Advent 
which has to do with the distinct Christian hope of Christ coming to the world and setting all things right and making all things as they should be. So Advent is a season for preparing and anticipating God among us, God here, God now. But we live between the kingdom of God here now and the kingdom of God, which is not yet fully realized in the earth. But we are filled with a living hope and with great expectation that God is breaking into our lives in the here and now, and that he will arrive again sometime in the future with a wedding feast of epic proportion, a party of the likes that nobody should miss. And what God wants to do in the future, he also wants to do right now. What God wants to do in the future, God wants to do right now. The arrival of God is something that God wants to do right now. God desires to arrive in our lives right now. God wants to arrive in your life right now. Did you know that God has hopes. God actually is a person just like you. He's got hopes and dreams. God hopes that when he arrives in our lives, that our hearts will be open to receiving him. When news of God's coming begins to spread, there are many different types of reactions. Some of us anticipate God's arrival and some of us hesitate at God's arrival. How many, how many of you here were here last week? It's kind of a crazy presence of God week. Do you remember it? There was a lot happening in this room during worship that we, we haven't really seen a whole lot of before, but it was so fascinating in the in the days that followed it was like god broke into our midst and then all of these stories started traveling through our community of what god did how god showed up and how he arrived unexpectedly he showed up in our midst in a way that we didn't expect so we had to tell the story of what we witnessed I talked to so many of you throughout this week, and it's just like there were questions. There were those of you who are standing in wonder of it all. There were those of you who just needed to know a little bit more about what was happening. But that's what happens when God shows up. People have questions because when he shows up, he always shows up in a way that we have never imagined. Are you with me so far? Some of us hesitate at God's arrival, because we are fairly sure that God's arrival will mess up our plans and prior commitments. Actually, for most of us, God's arrival is difficult because God's arrival 
is never what we imagine that it will be. When God breaks into the history of our actual lives, it is hardly ever in a way that we imagined it would happen. God arrives unexpectedly. We are not troubled by the fact that he has arrived. We are troubled by the way he has chosen to reveal himself. Have you ever been offended by God before? Has God ever scandalized you by the way he has revealed himself to you? Or am I the only one? Have you ever been in a worship service where somebody started calling out a little bit louder than what you were used to? And in, in your mind, you started doing the calculations and you said to yourself, well, that cannot be God. Because I have never imagined that before. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's the way we are, right? We're going along in our lives and we think about God in our, in, in the minuscule ways of, of our mind's limits. And we think somehow that God is a student of our limited imagination and that he is a prisoner to that same imagination. Let me tell you, if you want to find God, you have to go past what you'll be offended by. Almost always where the richest treasures that God has for me are just beyond the point of me being scandalized. It makes it very difficult to be a polite person and to go after the things of God or to receive the things of God even. Let me say this. There is a dynamic in the Bible That is very easy to miss, but it is in the text from Genesis to Revelation in the Bible. Every single time that God reveals himself to somebody, that particular experience is unprecedented. When God breaks into human history, shows him, shows up in somebody's life, there's not a scripture verse where somebody can go backwards and look up for a reference point of context. God comes into people's lives, and most of the time, there's no reference point for them to contextualize God breaking into their lives. The only thing they have left to do is trust. And this is what God does over and over. He breaks into our lives. He shows up unexpectedly in ways that cause us to go beyond what we understand into the land of purely trusting the living God. The way God happens in the scriptures over and over and over and over to people is unprecedented. The the writer Kat Armas said it this way, nearly every narrative in scripture describes folks experiencing God in new and unique ways, sometimes completely different than the person or people in the stories right before them and right after them. To insist that it's any different today, to claim that there's one legitimate way to connect with God is to disregard the majority of the Bible and its narratives. That's pretty incredible to think about, isn't it? The patriarch Abraham, he met Yahweh because God revealed himself to Abraham. Abraham was just a person 
in a pagan culture, in an ancient culture, going along his merry way, and God, Yahweh, Jehovah, shows up in Abraham's life and reveals himself. He breaks into Abraham's life. Abraham was raised in a culture that worshiped many gods. And by his understanding, Yahweh was built upon the polytheism that Abraham was formed by. The gods that Abraham knew demanded sacrifice. They were capricious. They were transactional in nature. Abraham knew that if you wanted to be blessed by God or the gods, if you wanted your flocks to multiply, or if you wanted your family to multiply, what you needed to do was to sacrifice a child on the altar. This was common practice in the ancient world. Child sacrifice for the sake of commercial prosperity was a common practice among the ancients. So Abraham wasn't surprised when God told him to take his son Isaac and kill him and sacrifice to him. Abraham knew that kind of God. Abraham was already primed to expect That God would require of him his child's blood, just like all of the other gods of his homeland. But God arrived unexpectedly. God arrived unexpectedly on Mount Moriah as Abraham went to raise the knife and put it into Isaac's body. God told him, Abraham, do not harm or kill your son. In that moment, everything changed in human history. God was revealing that he was not like the other gods. God was proving himself to Abraham. He arrived in a way that Abraham did not expect. Abraham expected to kill his son. And God proved himself to Abraham that he was distinct from the gods of his fathers. And he said, do not kill that That boy, I am not like those other gods. He showed that he was different from the other gods, which Abraham knew. There's another story in Second Kings that I love so much. There was a Syrian army captain who had leprosy. And in those days, leprosy was a terminal disease. He had leprosy and he found out from his Israelite slave girl, That there was a God in Israel who could heal him. There was a prophet named Elisha who could cause the impossible to happen and to make this leprosy go away. So this, this Syrian, imagine the Syrian leper hearing the news that healing was possible. Imagine the great expectation that must have filled him at that point. So he gets in his chariot, he loads it up with gold and silver, and he makes his way to Elisha's house, and he knocks on Elisha's door. God, he didn't know it yet, but God was about to arrive on the scene. God was about to show up, but in a way that this leper did not expect. Actually, God was about to arrive in a way that was going to scandalize this man 
who was on the verge of being totally healed from his disease, but his offense was about to keep him out of God moving in his life. So name is knocking on the door and he can feel it with anticipation. He can feel the arrival of God in his life. He can taste the relief that was about to be his through the power of God. So Naaman knocks on the door and Elisha's servant answers. And the servant says to Naaman, if you want to be healed of your leper, go down to the Jordan River and wash seven times. You know what happened next? The Syrian leper got mad. He was offended. He was scandalized. Not that God showed up, but in the way that God showed up. Naaman had expected God to break into his life, but when God broke in, he did not like the way he was revealed. And it's the revealing of God that shows us what's in our hearts. So let's, let's read this text of what, what Naaman said next. Second Kings 511. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that. I thought that. I thought that. He would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord and wave his hand over the spot and cure me of leprosy. God never shows up in the way that you think he will. I thought that. I thought that. We think that God should do something one way. And when he doesn't do it the way we thought that, We get mad and we stomp off offended. Fortunately for Naaman, he was a man of reason and he was talked out of his anger and offense and he received God the way God was revealing himself to him. And he did what the prophet Elisha told him to do and he was healed. God will come in such an unexpected way. He will come in such unexpected ways and we should not assume that he will arrive in the way that we thought. God is not a prisoner of our presumptions. God is not a student of our theological systems. God is overcoming our prejudices through the power of his Holy Spirit. And we must prepare our hearts to receive him into our lives however he chooses to come. Amen. Here's the thing that I've learned over the last decade of my life. When I imagine God breaking into my life, it's always with power and majesty and miracles. The reason I've been offended by God over the last decade of my life is because mostly he showed up as a still small voice. He's mostly showed up looking like everyday life. He's mostly showed up with um, me praying to him and his answer to me being somewhat subdued. 
You know, you can be put out with God when somebody's screaming in a worship service or when all the people around you are just calling out their praise to God. You know, you can be offended when God shows up like that, but you can also be offended when it appears like he's not doing anything at all. You can actually part ways with God. You can part ways in your walk with God because you wrongly assess what he's doing. You think he's not working, but he's always working. Even when we don't see it. We have to receive the Lord into our lives, however he looks. Amen. This is what it means to be in an Advent season. It's to expect the arrival of God. But when he comes, you must receive him as he comes. This, the, you know, one of the difficulties of the gospel story of the birth of Christ is that it is a story shrouded in familiarity now. Like when we talk about the Christmas story, everything is like obscured by ribbons and lights and candles and trees. And like, I love all that stuff, but we kind of miss the scandal of the incarnation because the Christmas story has become so familiar to us. The story of almighty God becoming a human being is obscured to us now because we know it so well. But the reality is that the incarnation is a scandal and an offense. When God arrived as a baby born in a manger, it was not expected. We're looking backwards at that story. It's like, oh, Christmas, Jesus born in a manger. We sing cute little songs about it. But when God broke into human history as a little baby in a manger, it was ridiculous. The Christmas story is ridiculous. Y'all should be offended by it right now. No, I'm serious. Like if you really step back from it and you step however old you are, however long you've walked on the earth, just, just pretend like you've never heard about Christmas before. And you're walking along in your life and all of a sudden somebody says to you, hey, there is a God. Oh yeah, I'd like to meet him. Well, here's his story. He lived up in the cosmos somewhere, and he decided to become a human being. That doesn't sound very godlike. Oh, yeah, and by the way, he came to save the world. Oh, really? From what? Oh, from all the principalities, all the power of death, the power of sin and darkness. It is all going away because this God decided to become a little baby. Oh, really? So what's the plan? What's the plan of attack? Well, he's going to be a human being, and then he's going to die. That's not how good messiahs behave, y'all. The people who were waiting for the Messiah, the people who were celebrating the original advent of God's arrival to the earth were expecting a man on a horse with an army to set them free from the oppression of their government. And God showed up in an unexpected way and it was absolutely scandalous. The God you serve is a scandal and an offense. And what he was doing then is what he is doing now. The things that offended our minds 2,000 years ago are the same things that offend our minds now. Are you with me? 
Nobody imagined that Messiah would break into human history in the form of a baby human. God's arrival in Jesus Christ was unexpected. And when Jesus began to preach his message, his very existence was a confrontation of what people thought God should be doing. Jesus showed up on the scene and there's a whole lot of people who said, I thought that, I thought that God should just wave his hand and overthrow all of the powers that are oppressing me right now. I thought that the Messiah would overthrow the Roman government. I thought that the Messiah would give us our homeland back. I thought that God would kick out the Gentiles, not invite them in. But we are just like those ancient people in the days of Jesus. We have ways of imagining God. We have expectations of God. We have things that we would like him to do for us, that we would like him to give us, that we would like him to fix for us. But God arrives unexpectedly in our lives over and over and over, and we are constantly forced to trust him over and over and over. So what should our approach be? What should our attitude be? Knowing that God is coming He's coming for us. His advent is unexpected and he is coming unexpectedly. If God is fiery and wild and unpredictable and continually going beyond my expectations, how can I actually walk with him? It's such a good question. I mean, I'm so thankful for this advent season because what? Well, Frankly, I'm thankful for God breaking into our midst in this church because I have been throwing it into neutral, y'all. In my life, in my walk with Jesus, I have been throwing it into neutral. Do you know what I'm talking about? We just get up every day and you just live your nice little life and you got zero expectation of what God might be doing. It's like God's doing his thing. I'm doing his thing. And we occasionally see each other on Sunday mornings. And we might see him a little bit more if the worship team is real good that morning. But man, I want to be so much. I want to, I want to know so much more than just that. I want to wake up out of my bed in the morning with an expectancy that God is with me in my life and that he's actually doing things in my life. No matter what it is. Man, I'm old enough to know that that thing that God is doing can include so much. It's not all victory and mountaintops, is it? Sometimes it includes like a COVID pandemic. Sometimes it includes the, the great resignation. None of us have any answers for these things. Sometimes Jesus forces us to live under some kind of oppressive regime so that he can break in a way that surprises us and catches our attention. Imagine this, 
Imagine being a 16-year-old girl and an angel appears to you out of nowhere with the message that you will become the mother of God. I promise you there is no verse in the Bible that you can go look up to find a reference point for that. If God shows up to talk to you in a supernatural event like like Mary experienced, there's nothing that you can find a reference point for in the scriptural text. The Bible is good. You need to know it. You should study it. You should hear what it says. But there's no flat reading of the scripture. It's not a linear story. The Bible is a 3D text and you're living as a part of that story right now. And God is speaking in more ways than just the words between the pages of Genesis and Revelation. His Holy Spirit is active and engaging and he's speaking to us in our lives right now. That's the inheritance of the church, y'all. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our lives in a continual basis. The Gospel of Luke says that Mary was greatly troubled when the angel showed up. Would you be greatly troubled if an angel showed up in your room in the middle of the night? I would be greatly troubled. And it says that she tried to discern what was going on. Does God come to you in your life and you are trying to discern what is happening? What a futile thing to try to discern what God is doing. Have you ever had your inability to discern things bump up against the wisdom of God? That's like a common occurrence for me. Sometimes God will break into your life and he will give you reason to be troubled and he will give you reasons to attempt to discern what is going on. But God has no issue interrupting your plans with his plans. God has no issue interrupting your plans with his plans. That's actually something that we should want. We should build good lives. We should have ambitions. We should be working at the things that God has put into our hearts. You know, the things like having a good job, having a good family, being creative, being an artist, being a musician, being whatever it is that you want to do with your life. But dang it, there's some other things that God wants to do beyond that. And you might just need to invite the Lord to interrupt your plans with his plans. On occasion, at least. Can we allow the Lord to interrupt our lives with his presence? Can we open our hearts to the Holy Spirit of God and let him lead us into places that we never expected, that we never anticipated, and that we never imagined? So I cannot prove this from the text of Scripture, but my bet is that Mary never anticipated God's arrival in her life in that way. God did a new thing with Mary and God wants to do a new thing with you. God wants to arrive unexpectedly into your life. The only question is, will we receive him when he comes? Maybe our hearts can sing these words of Mary. She sang this when the angel was standing before her. Behold, 
I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And that's it, y'all. There's no secret deep wisdom of how to get to that place except to be with the Lord in that moment when he shows up and you say, Lord, let it be unto me according to whatever it is you're speaking, according to whatever it is you're doing. Amen. Amen. Man, that's good news. That's good news because it's so easy because the only thing that we have to do is just say yes to the Lord. Amen. Why don't we stand up together? You've been listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church.